Hello, hello, and welcome back to Cutting Chai Stories, where the stories are short and sometimes sweet, just like the half servings of milky tea we call Cutting Chai back home in India. I hope you've all been taking a moment to step out in the sun and enjoy summer. Well, as much as it can be enjoyed when we're all socially distanced and life is so far from normal that normal seems like another country. Today, I want to talk about mood and creating a mood. I think that we're all used to being taken into another headspace when it comes to things that are abstract, like music or art or dance. These evoke emotions in you, but no one is telling you which emotions need to be evoked. I mean, sure, it's hard to feel sad when Baby Shark is playing. It might make you feel like committing murder, but probably not sad. So yeah, there are emotions that may be incompatible with certain works of art, but it's not telling you what to feel. That's different than what words do. Art can be abstract, different people can see different things in it, but words are usually more black and white. So it's trickier to do that with words. Today I want to share with you a short story that I think does it pretty well. Remember that writing challenge I told you about last week in the bonus episode? For those of you who missed it, I'm currently away from home for four weeks and I decided that for every one of those days, I was going to write something original. And regardless of whether I thought it was good or not, I was going to post it on my social media feeds. That's on my Instagram handle at Jayati Vora and in my Facebook group called Cutting Chai Stories. And I've also been posting writing prompts along with those stories. And to my utter surprise and absolute delight, there has been a small band of writers who have joined me on this challenge. A few post as and when they feel inspired, but there are a handful who have done this challenge with me every day. And the first week, I wrote a piece about homesickness. Actually, my son wrote it and I just helped him. But Laura Ambler was inspired by it to write her own piece. Laura used to work in retail, but is now exploring her creative side from the foot of the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. And she wrote this story in response to my prompt about feeling homesick. Here it goes. The morning smelled like Kansas. Humid grass and sweet blossoms. The scent reminded her of summer treks to the family graveyard. Her oldest brother and his wife taking rubbings of the Swedish stone obelisks rising above the grasses grown wild. The stones so grand for marking the lives of immigrant farmers. She remembered running through the grass, trying to catch frogs and snakes and other creepy crawlers, the only other living creatures in the cemetery. She should visit her ancestors again, but she doesn't even know where to find them. Instead, she'll go walking by the lake before it's too hot to move. What did you feel when you were listening to Laura's story? Did you feel sad? Nostalgic? Did you feel like the memories were happy? Or were they something else? I felt like I couldn't define what I was feeling when I read her piece. Instead, it created a mood in me that just wasn't there before. I don't know Kansas. I've never been there before. I don't have the experience of visiting graveyards. That's not what we do with our dead in my culture. So almost all of this is strange to me. It feels almost clinical to try and break this down rather than to simply enjoy it. But let's see what we can learn by breaking it down a bit. Laura starts setting the mood from the very first line. The morning smelled like Kansas. Well, 
what does that mean? How can a time of day smell like a state? Right? But then she goes further. It smells like her memories of growing up in that state. She talks about those summer smells. And maybe you're expecting a description of children romping together in the backyard, some simple happy memory like that. Instead, she takes us to the family graveyard. Hmm. That's usually associated with loss, with sorrow, the opposite of the feelings that summer evokes in me. Then what happens? Her brother and his wife are taking rubbings of Swedish stone obelisks. That sounds so mysterious. Are these ancient markers? Look at the layers of mood that Laura is weaving with her words here. And don't miss the alliteration she uses. Grasses gone wild. That conjures another feeling. One of passing time, of being forgotten, maybe of being neglected. And the next line, musing on the grandeur of these markers for immigrant farmers. I don't know the history of Kansas farmers, but that's a political line. It labels those long-ago farmers as immigrants, and if they were Swedish, they were almost certainly white. And today, we mostly associate immigrants in the U.S. as having brown skin, not being very grand. With that one comparison there, Laura very skillfully reminds us that Kansas's history was intimately entwined with that of immigration. And she shows us that they were valued and remembered with grand gravestones. Perhaps our current immigrants should be similarly valued. This is the part, by the way, where I'm reading into what she wrote with the background and baggage of my experience. Maybe somebody else with a different worldview will read it differently. Then Laura talks about the only living things in the graveyard, frogs and creepy crawlers and snakes. And that brings me back to the feeling of being a child. And then there's the feeling of obligation to look up her ancestors. But she doesn't know where to find them, she writes. So instead, she goes for a walk by the lake before it becomes too hot to move. That's an ending, but it's not a resolution. And that's deliberate. There's a musing in her head, the suggestion of something, but she doesn't tell us how that conundrum resolves. And it's not a cliffhanger. She doesn't leave us at some pivotal moment with like the music crashing in the background. But she hasn't tied it all up with a bow. And that, to me, is the beauty and poetry of it. That's how she creates the mood. What she has for us is part broad brushstrokes and part free association. She draws out certain details and then she puts them together, but it's up to us what to feel about it. I know that this analysis is not as neat as the ones I usually give, but I don't think there's a formula for writing like this, for writing evocatively. You can see how Laura did it, but you can't follow the same pattern and have it turn out the same way for you. The best I can say is, start with a feeling yourself. Close your eyes and think, what images, what sounds, what smells, what feelings does homesickness evoke in you? And start there. And don't feel obliged to explain everything. You can leave a little mystery in there. It's more tantalizing for your readers. Thank you so much, Laura, for sharing your words with us. Before I take you to the writing prompt, I have an announcement. My August series of creative writing classes for children is going to cover descriptive writing. How to write description, what are the building blocks of descriptive writing, and some effective techniques to use. I'm teaching seven classes each week for kids between the ages of 7 and 14, divided by age group, and in five different time zones. That's India, the Middle East, and the East, Central, and West Coast of the U.S. You can find out more at my website, gumroad.com slash stories. Now for your writing prompt. Write a mood piece about the color of friendship. 
And if you write something, please do share it with me at cuttingchaistories at gmail.com. I love hearing from you. There's still time to participate in the writing challenge, which I'm posting every day on my Instagram feed and in my Facebook group. So do join in, the more the merrier. And thank you for tuning in. Till we meet again next Thursday, notice the writing that creates a mood when you read it and see if you can figure out how the writer constructed that feeling in you. (laughs) 